is all things to everybody. Not to care for nations, say he means you. It's open to everybody. It's open to you. And regardless of who you are, regardless of your postcode, regardless of what your backstory is, God wants to include you in his family. But you need to be forgiven. You need to say a yes to Jesus. Allow him to, to, to forgive you your sin and allow him to lead you in life. And here's the thing, God's awful, awful good. Getting thanks, I said to you before the punchline even. God's awful, awful good at being able to find you where you are at, even if you think you can run away. We're going to turn this morning and we're going to read in Exodus chapter 3. We are going to read about a man who thought he could run away from his past, from his problems. And yet God brought him to a place that he didn't expect to be at, to a moment he didn't expect to have, and his life changed in that one moment. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. The man's name is Moses. And the Bible says that now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw, saw that though the bush um, was in fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over. I'll see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Amen. 
138 and verse 2 says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. It's a psalm that is central to us as church this year. It's a psalm that we are thinking about. And we've got to that point, we've got to that place where we're beginning to think about the name of God. If he, if he is exalted above all things, his name and his word, then it is good for us to find out all about his name, the name of the Lord. Last time we looked at this, we, we looked at, at this, this name Lord, this name Adonai. And it was a name that the, the, the Jewish Israelite people used to, because they didn't want to speak the holy name of God. The holy name of God is Yahweh. And this is a name that, that, that God self-reveals himself to Moses as being. We want to recognize that God's name is higher than, God's name is greater than, God's name is stronger than, God's name is more powerful than. And as we get to know his, his name, that name, and the person, the names, the titles of God, but also knowing the names and the titles of God, we get to begin to find out his nature, his character, and his ways. And as we get to know God better, we actually get to know ourselves better. We get to know God better. We get to know ourselves better. We begin to get to know what his plan and his purpose for our lives might be. And the great news is that God's name is exalted over our life, over our failures, over our successes, over the mess that we sometimes make of life, over our character flaws, over the mundane, ordinary things that go on, over the high points of our lives, every single area of our life, whether it would be habits, poor self-image, joys, our wrongdoing, our sin, to know that God is greater than is a really good thing to know. When God first reveals his sacred, holy, Yahweh, I am name, he does it to a man who thinks he's a failure. Remember that word that somebody felt that they, they, they wanted to, to share that they'd written down that said, God who knows your past, the imperfections of your past, and the God who is perfect, and who will love you with your perfect, with, with his perfectness. They didn't know what I was going to be thinking. They had no idea where I was going in my, in, in my, in my sermon, in my teaching. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, our loving heavenly father, really wants you to hear this morning. That even though you've got a past, you can still have a future in Jesus you would say yes to him. And maybe this morning, this is your burning bush moment. And maybe you're saying, Gordon, you don't know me. You don't know all the stuff that I've got in my locker, all the skeletons that's there and all the, the wrong things that I've done. Listen, here is a man who spent 40 years building his profile as being the son of Pharaoh and having all the privilege, all the rank, all the status. Here is a man who actually assaulted somebody, killed somebody, that makes him a murderer. Here's a man who put on the vanishing cream and who, who got out of Dodge really, really quickly. Because he would have been tried, he would have been found wanting. And here is a man who, who spends the next 40 years of his life trying to hide, trying to run away, trying to reinvent himself. Thinking that if 
I change X about me, if I change Y about me, if I change Z about me, then maybe nobody will know about me. They'll not ask about my car. I'll change my clothes. I'll change my hairstyle. I'll change, you know, what, what I, how I wear my, the hair on my face. But yet he knew his past. He even got to the point where he would just anesthetize himself to the pain with a bleating of sheep. Sheep don't ask that many questions, do they? Kind of, where's the grass? Really, it's what the, what the sheep ask, even though it's just like a, a ba. He's got a makeover mentality. When actually God, what God wanted to bring was a transformational reality into his life. And here is God who knows everything about Moses, everything about the status that he, that, that he had achieved in life, everything that he had uh, done that would cause him to be uh, seen as a criminal and seen that he had to, to run away or wanted him to run away. And yet, this restless heart is about to find some peace. It's going to be an uncomfortable peace, but he's going to find some peace. Because God is going to say, Moses, I know all about you. Moses, I'm going to send you on a mission. Moses, this is going to make you into all that you possibly could be. And, oh, by the way, those of you who did maths when you were at school, 40 and 40 makes 80. So an 80-year-old man receives his call and his commission from God. Some of you are nervous now. God's not all that big on retiral, although we know there's some time. Everybody's got a purpose in God, amen. When I was younger, I used to love hiding things. Out the back of our, our garden, there was a, some garages, garages area, and, and, and beyond that then, there was another kind of wilderness area that they couldn't build on because there was a railway tunnels that was heading down through the west end of Greenock down towards um, what was towards the container terminal. Um, so it was all, all overgrown. And we used to go there and we used to run away and we used to hide. And it was really, really good. In fact, if you didn't want to be found, then you probably wouldn't hide. You know, that worm, see, around the bush, having a wee look to see who's around hiding. We can play hide, but I want to tell you, God can do the peeping. Now, at the same time, when, when God finds us, actually, we need to seek his heart. But we are out of that area. And you may have tried to run away lots. You may be ashamed of your past, ashamed of some of the things that you've done. Maybe don't want it coming up and talked about. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe this morning is your burning bush moment where you can feel, maybe not hear the audible voice of God, but maybe there's a tugging on your heart during the worship. There's a tugging on your heart as Laura's sharing something of her story that says, man, I'm not right with God. Saying, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why am I here on earth and knowing that, that God is saying, come a little closer. Come and check me out. Come and find out who I am. But find out what I am means for your life. God doesn't want your life made up of stuff. He wants your life made up of something. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
That's a good substance to build your life on. If God's got some hope for me, I want to know about it. If God's got a plan and a purpose for my life, then do you know what? I want to hear what that is. But Psalm 24, verses 3 to 5 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. And I'm thinking, ooh, blessing from God. That's a bit of God's blessing, isn't it? But I need to backtrack a wee bit. Who can stand in his holy place? Those who've got clean hands and a pure heart, well, I can, I can maybe get to the toilet and wash my, my hands clean. He's talking outward. It's about the outward, but it's also about the inward. Clean hands and a pure heart. The impurity of Moses' heart was what the problem was. He feels failures, Lord. The things that he thought would disqualify him, but God wanted to meet him. It's a substance that you can build your life on. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 says, when Jesus speaking says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Any wise people in today? We're all hearers of the words of God this morning, whether you like it or not. You're hearing the words of God. But Jesus says, Hear them, put them into practice, and you're a wise man. Build your house on the rock. Moses builds his house upon a rock. He builds his life upon the certainty of the promise, of the purpose, of the plans of God. And you can too. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny self, take up cross, follow him. Deny self, take up cross, follow him. We all love the notion of God's love, don't we? We all love the notion of the blessing of God. But the hard reality of it is denying self, taking up cross and following him. Denying self means dealing with the sin, dealing with the wrong things that we've ever done. Denying self says it's not about my will, actually it's about God's will. But saying, but wait a minute, if he's got plans and purposes for me, if there's a place when I can know the blessing of the creator of the world, then, then maybe that's a good thing to actually deny myself. Take up the cross. To be dead to self, but alive in Christ. To come and repent, that, that great gift that God gives us, that Bible word that says, God, I'm sorry for all the wrong things that I've done in your sight. I'm sorry, I want to lay them aside. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to put my trust in you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the wrong things. Would you forgive me? Taking up my cross. I'm going God's way. I'm going to follow Jesus. But if he's going to lead me into the fullness of God's blessing, then that's a good road going to read me in a pathway that is that is going to enable me to come truly and fully alive in God then that's a good thing isn't it tell you as Laura shared some of her story today and I'm sure many people in this room would be able to to to, to testify and tell that story too but at the essence of our Christian faith and the reality of us being disciples and Christians and followers of Jesus is that we have come to a place 
where we have denied ourselves, we've taken up our cross, and we're following Jesus. Now, we're not perfect. We're perfect in Christ. And his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness is there. But in those moments when we don't get it right or where we get it wrong, but uh, the principle that we live our life on is that we're denying ourselves, we're taking up our cross, we're following Jesus. Moses, who were living centuries before Jesus came, he's denying himself in terms of putting himself aside. He's no longer living with the distraction, living with the, the stuff, living with his past. He's put his trust in a holy moment in God, where God calls and commissions him to become a follower his way. In fact, to become a follower, but also to become a leader, but that's another story for another time. You see, your part in the Yahweh I am God of the Bible, his part has not changed. Your part doesn't change and my part doesn't change. There is the challenge that God says, where it is, come and follow me. Come and follow me, but also the, the opportunity of his presence where he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. And I wonder how you're doing in that. How are you doing in that invitation to come? Have you said yes to him? How are you doing in resting the fact that I am is with you? Or is the actual literal meaning of it is God saying, I will be who I will be. It's God saying, I am uncontainable. I am greater than even your highest thoughts, as well as your deepest and worst thoughts. I am greater than anything that you could even comprehend or ways that you could take me in. I will not be boxed in, but I will be with you. And that means that you can overcome. Because God demands the majority of every human being. Exodus 3 and verse 10, that, that, that God says to Moses, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. Now, God then says to Moses, oh, and this is going to be the sign that I'm with you. You're going to come back and worship me. Now, if I was Moses, I'd be giving it, hey, God, can I have another sign, please? You know, because what's your fulfillment? What's your sign that you're with me, God? I'm going to get through it. But here's the kick in. Deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. Even when it looks as though what's up front is a little bit of an uncertainty, but knowing that you're going, God's going. Moses says, okay, God, because the presence of God was with him and wherever God's presence is, is the best, the safest, the greatest place to be. But it hasn't changed. This I'm sending you, but I will be with you. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus says to his disciples, just as he is about to ascend into heaven, this is the resurrected savior, the one who died and is alive again. Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. It's God's strategy doesn't, doesn't change. Go, but I am with you. I am sending you, but I am with you. Every single one of us has an invitation to come and follow him. But also the assurance that I will be with you. 
And this morning as we come and celebrate Laura's baptism, we're celebrating Laura's obedience, Laura's opportunity, and Laura's outlook for life and for forever, for eternity. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. As we gather here as church family together, it's because we've decided to deny ourselves, we're taking up our cross, we're following Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you've been a follower of Jesus for, for one week or for 50, 60, 70 years. The principle is the same. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following Jesus. Because he said, go, I will be with you. Go, I will be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, go, I will be with you. But would you come and join me? Everything changes for Moses because of this moment. And today, if you put your trust in Jesus, today, if you say yes to him, I want to say your everything changes on this moment. In fact, your everything changes on the decision that you make as a result of hearing God's word and hearing my word today. What will you do with the invitation to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow Jesus? What will you do with the invitation that says, go, but I will be with you? What will you do with the invitation that says, come and follow me? My presence will be with you. We need to ask the right question. Moses said, who am I that I should go? When the right question is actually, who are you, Lord? Because he is Yahweh, the great I am. The God with a strategy to move you beyond just a, a cerebral head knowledge into an experiential encounter with the fullness and the rawness of God. Now, we need the head knowledge. We need an understanding of who God is. We need to be able to work out our faith. But I want to tell you, it also involves an, an experiential encounter with his presence. And the two need to go together. The two need to go together. We said, isn't it, all head knowledge when you dry up, all experience when you grow up. But if you get the two together, then you grow up in Jesus. Word and spirit together. Head knowledge and a heart experience with God. See, Moses knew all about God. The scripture would say, you can read about it in the first couple of, of chapters of Exodus, that he's the baby in the bulrushes. That a time of national genocide where, where infants in Egypt, of Israel, Israelite babies in Egypt were being wiped out. Yet he was hidden in a basket in the bulrushes. Where family were allowed into Pharaoh's um, household to, to, to be his, his nanny, his nursemaid, who taught him the principles of the Hebrews and of, and of, of the covenant keeping God. He knew all about it, but it didn't stop him making a mess of his life. It wasn't just a family thing, as we heard about with Laura. It wasn't just the legacy of a generation that was gone by. It wasn't just of, of hearing about it and, and, and getting it in, you know, she's mentioned it as well, in Sunday school and thinking, oh, that's for another day. But no, it was for her today. And it didn't stop Moses making a mess of his life. But who knows that God's really good at putting a mess of our lives together. 
Who knows that God is able to put even the most broken life back together into something that is precious, something that is beautiful, something that he can use for his glory, for his purpose. In the 2 Corinthians, it, it says, you know, for his treasure is in jars of clay that they excavate with power and refine. There's a reason that we are so fragile, isn't it, in our life sometimes? It's because we need him. That we can't think that we can make it on our own. That we need to depend on him for our everything. Moses had been brought up to the stories of God. He knew all about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he never lived with the purposes of God or lived on mission with God. And I wonder how many years have you heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I wonder how many times you've heard about him, but have you experienced him for yourself? Have you come to a place where, where, where you've, you've begun to live with the purposes of God? God, you love me. God, you've got a plan for my life. God, I want to know what that is. I want to work out what that is. I want to walk in that. I want to see that be in reality. That God, you want to partner with me and I partner with you in mission. You know, because we're to go and make disciples. That's not just for those with pastor or church leader as disciples. It's every single one of us in here to be a witness for Jesus to share the good news of the love of God. Have you ever lived with purpose for God or on mission with God? How did God do it? What would it take for you and I to really, really live? Well, number one, God captured his attention. There is a bush that is on fire. Now, bushes in the fire in the desert, you know, there was combustion that would take place, dry leaves, dry bark, you know, hot, hot sun, if only, you know, but this one didn't burn up and that's what caught Moses' attention. Number two, he calls Moses by name. Says he knows him, he knows everything about him. Number three, he challenges Moses where he is at. Literally and spiritually. He says, take your sandals off for where you are is holy ground. Shoes were off last week with Samba's awesome message. Catch it in the live stream and the media section or the website if you didn't get it. I would encourage you to do that. Leave your shoes off, you know, there. But I tell you, when it's holy ground, when it's holy ground you can show it and God challenges him in his life but also for his future and this morning I believe that God is challenging some people in here for your life but also for your future he captures his attention he calls him by name he challenges where he's at he brings a covenant reminder he says I am the God of he says I am the promise keeping God I am the God who fulfills my covenant. I am the God who fulfills my promise. What he's really saying, you can trust me. You can trust me with your everything. I will not fail you. I will not let you down. God expresses his concern. He says, I've seen the suffering. He's saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blind to the problems, the pressures, the things that's going on around about you or the things that actually concerns you. And do you know what? I am actually the solution the problem but he invites you to be part of the solution too because it's not just that he is concerned but he then commissions Moses to go as he commissions each and every one of us to go and to live for Jesus when I am called when I am comes calling he comes with a holy invitation I am I will be who I will be Yahweh God is the God who 
shows up in unexpected places. I wonder where's your hiding hole? The tree that I could probably take you to in Greenock, which is a, which is where I would hide. There's some bushes and shrubs that I could probably take you to, where I could show you where I would go to to hide from where the sun hides the sun. But I tell you, money shall always go to places that you're going to. Where's your far side of the desert? Because that's where Moses was. But God was already with him. He's already with you. He meets you when you go to run away from life. He meets you at that place. He knows your name, knows everything about you. Still loves you. He's the God who is holy. He's the God who is the covenant-keeping God, the promise keeper. He's the God who sees and hears the cry of the oppressed. He's the God who comes down with a solution. He's the God who rescues, and he's the God who brings you out of the situation and leads you out into a place of worship and of freedom in him. He's the God who says, I will be with you and never leave you. Or he's the God who sends you without condition which is a bit that all of us kind of get a little bit hung up about, isn't it? You want me to go where, speak to who, and tell what? Okay, but he will be with you because he wants you to influence others for his glory and for his purpose. He's the God who will be remembered and worshipped over his life. Verse 15 says that he say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Would you remember I am this God? Would you worship I am this God? I don't just mean with your mouth open and your arms raised or worship him with, 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 the, with the finances of your life. I mean, worship him with all that you've got and all that you have and all that you can be. To live with that first love. To live with his plan, with his purpose, and to live on mission for him. To live fully alive in Christ is a scripture that speaks of that. Jesus, centuries later, in what we call the New Testament, also made a number of I am, Yahweh statements about his life that were declarations of his deity and of his relationship with the Father. Included in these were, I am the bread of life to sustain you. I am the light of the world to guide you and to reveal Father God in his way to you. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus, who lays down his life for the sheep. He is a sin sacrifice, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus, that he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He is the hope of heaven and of eternal life for us. Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through me. That he is the only way to know Father God's love and Father God's purposes. I am invites you to a moment with him today. I am invites you not to a burning bush, but to an empty cross. I am invites you to gaze upon a tomb that is not occupied because Jesus is not dead. Because he is the resurrection and he is the life. And he is the only way to the Father. We celebrate Laura's baptism. We celebrate her faith in Jesus. We celebrate that she has recognized and said that Jesus, you are the only way to heaven. You are the only way 
for my sins to be forgiven. You are the only way for me to begin to know God's plan, God's purpose for my life. That's not just a habit. That's our reality. We're going to pray. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to, to, to come back. We're going to pray, and in these moments, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to have your burning bush moment with Father God. I'm going to invite you to, to, to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand in a sign that says, I want to become a follower of Jesus, that I'm sorry for every wrong thing that I've ever done. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer that invites Father God's plans and purposes to become your reality in your everyday. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, thank you that your word is alive, living and active, that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Father, thank you that your word is fruitful, that your word will achieve that which you've got planned, purpose, and accomplished for it. Father, my prayer as always is that the words of Gordon would fall to the ground and die. But Lord, your word that is eternal would be bearing fruit in people's lives. Father, I pray for every single person who's heard this message today. Father, I ask that you might come by your Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts. Lord, you've already been doing that throughout this service, throughout the, the message today. Enable us to pray right now. Enable us to experience the reality of who you are. The forgiveness of Jesus, the grace, the mercy of Jesus. Enable us and empower us to go the way that you would have us go. To reach others with the good news of Jesus. To live a life that is worthy of the calling. Free from the effects of our past. To know that we are truly forgiven. And now, Father, I want to pray for anybody that's in this place that has never said yes to Jesus. Or that has been living a life that is way below what Jesus has called them to. Lord, in these moments, we choose to deny ourselves. We choose to take up our cross. And we choose to follow Jesus. And if that's you today, you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus, but today you're saying, I want things to be different. Today you're saying, I'm sorry for my sin and my wrongdoing, my past and my failure. I want to be forgiven of that. Then we invite you to come and say sorry to God. We invite you to come and to understand that Jesus as he died on the cross, took your place in punishment for every wrong thing that you've ever done. So that he declares that you are forgiven and you're his own. So if you'd like to be included in a prayer, I invite you to, to pray a prayer in your heart and in your life right now that says, Father God, thank you that you seek the runaway. Father 
God, thank you that you seek imperfect people. Father God, thank you that in Jesus Christ, I can be free. I can be forgiven. That I can have and know your hope in your future. I thank you that because Jesus died and rose again, that I can be a new creation in him. I thank you that I can be forgiven my sin because Jesus died and rose again. Father God, I am sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I want to know what it is to be forgiven. I want to know what it is to become a follower of Jesus. I want to know what it is to spend forever and ever and ever with you. Come into my life. Make me new. Make me dead to myself, but alive in you. Enable me to come and to follow you. And Lord, I promise, to the best of my ability and with your help and your strength, that I will go wherever you lead me. Help me now, Lord. The Bible says, as you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will know be forgiven your sin and you will be a new creation. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, I invite you to do something very simple, something very special though, that is your burning bush coming around the cross moment. I invite you to simply raise your hand that says, Gordon, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Well, nobody's looking around. If that's you and you've, you've said that prayer in your heart and life and you're meaning it, you want to become a follower and a friend of Jesus, where you're at right now, the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I'm going to raise your hand now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take one. Father, we one more special thing. Lord, I pray that our ears might hear into heaven what the Bible says, that if people leave with their hearts celebrating that God over one sinner was offended. So Lord, let us hear angels rejoice. Lord, let there be celebration in this place because there are people that are saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Father, I pray that you may strengthen them with all power from heaven. Father, I pray that you may equip them with all the goodness and the love and the mercy that comes from the very heart and the nature of I am. Lord, let them know that they're forgiven their past. Help them to walk through and walk on in life, Lord, knowing your plan and knowing your purpose. I pray and I ask it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much. If you need to get some prayer and to reinforce maybe a little bit about what it means to be a follower and a friend of Jesus, Please do not leave this place without speaking um, to, to one of the people you may be seen at the front, or if you brought if somebody brought you here today, speak to them. If you've got some literature and information that we'd love to be able to share with you about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Thank you. God bless you for being here. What we're going to do now, the worship team are going to lead you in a in a song um, as we get ready to move into the baptismal section uh, of our of our morning. Then um, Alvin's going to lead. Um, we've got a scripture, which is from Laura's Laura and myself, and then.
Judith needs the water, and Alwyn will speak that over her. Then she comes up out the water, Malcolm feels that he's got something prophetic. They want to speak over Laura and her life, because again, we believe that God is speaking to Ruth, and he'll do that. And then there's a song that Laura has picked that is important to her in her life and in her journey to Jesus right now. He's got to go and sing. And at the end of that, that will be the conclusion of our time, although Alwyn's 